Are guitar pedals an inconvenient hobby? My husband said as much the other day, and I honestly can't stop thinking about it. But I think he might be right. Welcome to Get Offset. My name is Emily, and you look especially nice today. I can tell you took that extra 45 seconds to really put your whole look together. And that was 45 seconds well spent. But back to guitar pedals. Think about it. Every time we get a new pedal, we have to figure out how to integrate it with our existing setup. We have to rearrange pedal boards, decide where the new device should live in the signal chain. We are constantly, constantly fiddling with it. And while I'm sure there are other hobbies like this, I can't think of many, if any, at all. Of course, the thing about guitar pedals is they're not just a hobby, they're a tool. We've all heard people describe pedals as paint on a palette or the brushes themselves. They're a way for us to make the sound in our heads a reality, to add texture and depth to our music. But still, I keep thinking about how there aren't a lot of other similar things, hobbies that involve building something, tearing it apart, and putting it back together, all because you got something new to add to the collection. To people who consider bikes their hobby and, to be clear, like guitar pedals, a bike is as much a tool or a mode of transportation as a hobby, do they constantly swap new you know, foot pedals in and out? Seats? Tires? I don't think that they do. I think occasionally they'll you know, get an upgraded seat, an upgraded foot pedal, one that works with their clip-ins a little bit better, but... It's not the same with a guitar pedal, well, I should say a pedal board, you can have redundancies and it's fine. No one is going to judge you for having multiple drive pedals, for having multiple modulation pedals. You just can't do that with you know, bicycles. So what do you think? Are guitar pedals an inconvenient, albeit extremely cool and fun hobby? If you're listening on Spotify, you can drop a voice memo or you can type your response in a little, what did you think of this week's episode prompt? I'm really curious to hear what y'all have to say. I just want to take a break in the middle or toward the beginning to thank you so much for listening to Get Offset. Uh, if you are interested in supporting Get Offset as a YouTube channel or a podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One great way is to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash get offset. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to our exclusive Discord server. Tons of really cool people in there. Great conversations. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge and truly generous humans. It's one of my favorite corners on the internet. Of course, also subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Extremely helpful Leaving a review on like iTunes, also very helpful. And, um, you know, we have affiliate links in the show notes for places like Sweetwater. So how those work is when you click on those links and buy, after clicking on that link, uh, I will get a portion of that sale shared with Get Offset. It costs you zero extra dollars. And it's a wonderful way to support this channel doing things you were probably going to do anyway. But uh, there's something else I would like to talk about. It's that I think 
I might be in a little bit over my head. Um, between July 22nd and August 5th, I have four gigs with four completely different set lists. This Saturday, the 22nd, my band Jerf, in which I play bass, is playing a private party. I'm really excited about it. For the first time ever, we're playing with a small horn section, a saxophone, and a trumpet. We also have a few new covers to inject into the set list. Normally, we play one, maybe two, but since it's a private party and not a gig or people are coming specifically to see us, uh, Jeff wanted to give folks a little bit more music that they might know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. It gave me an excuse to learn the bass line for Thin Lizzy's Dancing in the Moonlight, which is extremely fun to play, even if I had a little bit of trouble with the timing. There's also a Wilco cover, which is a Wilco song I actually hadn't heard. I liked Wilco a lot for a long time, but <laughs> not to say that it's all about me. Uh, I kind of stopped listening to them after I was shut out of getting tickets to see them at the Ryman in like 2008. And it's not, it wasn't like a personal thing, but I think at that point I realized I wasn't probably going to get to see them again for an affordable amount of money. And I just don't think I liked them to the point where I like someone like Elvis Costello, where, yeah, I will pay extra money to get good seats to Elvis Costello. Um, I think the last Wilco album I listened to was Wilco, the album. And I liked it. You know, I would happily see Wilco. I've never been disappointed about listening to Wilco. Summer Teeth is still one of my favorite records of all time. But that's to say, uh, we are playing the song Love is Everywhere. And that's a that's a really nice little song. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be playing that. Uh, we're also playing our standard What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding cover. Uh, speaking of Elvis Costello, who made that song famous, even though Nick Lowe wrote it. So uh, that one is a monster to play on bass. We usually play that at the end of the set list after the song called Runaway, which is also um, a pretty rough and exhausting song to, to play on bass. The one cover I'm not sure how it'll pan out is Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Now, that's a song where I've never listened to the lyrics. I knew it would be weird just knowing the whole Tears for Fears vibe they had going on with that Primal Scream stuff back in the 80s, but uh, it's a doozy, isn't it? Um, if you haven't listened to it lately and haven't listened to the words, definitely check that one out. Um, I don't know what I expected, but <laughs> there you go. Um, Jeff is leading that one with the mandolin, so it's kind of a fun take on the arrangement. I uh, hope we get a little bit more time to practice it a bit more since it's kind of a weird one structurally. It's one of those songs that like there's there's something you would definitely call the chorus. There's something you would definitely call the bridge, but um, it still feels kind of weird to use those terms. I don't know why. Do you ever do you have any songs like that where you're like, I know this is the chorus, but for one reason or another, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe the words are completely different. You don't really like want to consider it a chorus. That's how I feel about everybody wants to rule the world. And that just has made it kind of kind of made it a bitch to 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 chart out, to be completely honest. Uh, next up, I have a Sunday crush gig at Barboza. 
on July 28th. That's up in Capitol Hill or on Capitol Hill in Seattle. I haven't played that venue since before the pandemic, and I haven't been to that venue since seeing Rat Boys there right after the COVID vaccine was rolling out. It was I probably the first show I went to uh, that wasn't one of my own where it was required to wear a mask the whole time. And I I didn't end up going to a lot of shows that were, were mask required. Um, I'm actually pretty fine wearing masks at, at shows. I, I've worn them at Hold Steady shows. And the last time I went to a bunch of Hold Steady shows uh, and wore a mask, I didn't get sick. And last time I went to some Hold Steady shows and did not wear a mask, I got very sick. So I think there might be something... <laughs> something to that like no matter how you feel about like COVID or whatever you gotta admit you got sick a lot less when you were on airplanes when everybody was wearing a mask uh so do what you want I'm gonna keep wearing a mask at an airplane on airplanes I'm gonna wear them at some shows it just kind of I feel that vibe out personally uh yeah so it'll be the first a Sunday Crush gig as a three-piece, and that's kind of the big thing. Uh, so we are working on kind of adjusting some arrangements, nothing too too major, but I'm really excited to have Jenna come over at some point. Uh, that's the singer of Sunday Crush. I want to build or help her build a really sick bass rig. Uh, the one thing I'm really thinking that I want her to have on her board is a really nice fuzz. And I can't get out of my head the the Mass Effects Tiny Fuzz. It's that's one of those. I think it was like seventy nine bucks or something like that. And uh, it has great low end. I just really really love that fuzz. Um, I'm not a huge fuzz person, but I really like it on bass, and I think it'll it'll do well. Uh, she also already has my old SY one, so she'll be able to get like already some cool stuff. I think chorus always sounds good on bass. And I'll probably get her a little a little compressor too. Nothing too major. I don't want her to have to think about it too much, um, especially for this first show. But just since there's not going to be as many of us, I really think it'd be super cool to have some fuzz on the bass especially. But my husband had filled in on bass with us for a few gigs. That was never going to be permanent. I don't really want to be in a band with my significant other kudos to people who can manage that um but i do think he had fun playing a few shows with us we didn't have any blow-ups we didn't have any arguments but i think that just knowing it was temporary uh he's just helping us out i think that that you know really made it a lot easier uh where it gets kind of tough is when you have to give your significant other like feedback some people take feedback well and immediately and some people don't uh even me like there are times especially when I'm playing bass it's not my since it's not my primary instrument I just don't have uh like the chops or like the vocabulary and stuff so every once in a while I'll be in a jerf rehearsal and I'll be told to do or not do something and uh usually it's fine but sometimes like it doesn't connect and then I get frustrated with me <laughs> I remember once I was struggling with something and Jeff said I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Cause I was getting kind of heat. I'm like, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad. I want to be able to do this. So, um, it's kind of tough when you have to look at your, your partner and be like, baby, you need to work on your timing. Cause sometimes, 
sometimes people are going to take that well and sometimes they're they're just not um one thing i'm really excited with sunday crush is writing so we've been writing uh for the new album and we've been making some really good progress we're going to be playing some of those new songs live for i think it'll be the third time but again like you know, the first time in, in some ways um Specifically, though, Evans Drumheads is letting us borrow their new sensory percussion system for a few months. So how that works is you connect sensors, not not to be confused with triggers, to the drums in the kit, the same way you would connect a trigger. Um, you connect those sensors to an interface, a mobile interface, and that interface to your computer. Then you can load in different sounds that change based on velocity, speed, and where you hit the drum head. You can even get a different sound with like a rim shot. I saw this at Sweetwater's Gear Fest and I knew, I knew I had to make this happen. So a big thank you to everyone at Diderio, uh, especially Andy. Um, so it's hard to explain exactly what this is, but it's almost like a MIDI controller for your drums. Um, according to the website, you can set it up for other percussion sounds, like if you want a clap every time you hit the snare. Um, but you can also do stuff like synth stabs. At GearFest, it sounded like an entire chill wave track in a single kit. It's probably the only time I've ever been so excited about drum stuff. Uh, moving forward into early August, it's going to be uh, unreal for me. So please don't feel upset if I don't really talk to anyone between now and August 5th. Like thinking about my demo schedule, I'm just going to try to keep mostly just to keep the stuff I filmed at GearFest, keep editing that, keep publishing it, because I'm not sure I'm going to have a lot of time to film. Uh, apologize. I apologize to Digitech DoD. I know I owe uh, them a demo. I'm going to do something with the Digitech drop, though. I have a really solid idea of what I want to do for that video, and I'm really excited about it. The other one is the Demonic Machines Divine Chorus V2. I demoed the V1 like probably over a year ago. Really cool chorus. I'm really excited to see what uh, updates Lucky has made to that one. So it's those are the first two pedals on my list. I also have some guitars and stuff. So it's going to be a a wild uh, wild month. So. August 3rd is the first of my annual gigs as the guitarist in the house band for the women, the Great Women of Country series at the Royal Room. I've done this, I think this is either going to be my third or my fourth year, probably my third year, but uh, how that works is we pick, well, someone picks a couple of, you know, female superstars in the country genre. Uh, this month it's going to be uh, country or folk. So it's going to be Katie Lang, The Chicks, and Linda Ronstadt, who just had a birthday last weekend. Love Linda Ronstadt. And a couple singers pick a few songs that they want to play. The house band learns them. And usually the first time we ever run through these songs together is the show day. So we book off a half a day at the Royal Room and the singers come in, we run things, we make sure everybody's playing in the right key because that's the problem. And I don't blame singers for this. Um, I understand that, you know, if you're just accompanying yourself, you learn your chords, you get a capo, and um, you're probably not as concerned with what 
key you're playing in. So oftentimes what'll happen is we'll be told to learn a song and we're not given a key. So we learn the original key or we're given a key like someone says G, I'm playing this in G. And then you show up and uh, they put a capo on the second fret. So you're like, okay, well, we're not playing in G, we're playing in A. And sometimes that's not a big deal. Nine times out of 10, it's a pretty easy transition, especially if you're using Nashville number system. Uh, but if you're like, have learned a solo like I did last year that relies a lot on open notes, because this is very common in country music, it's one of the reasons soloists use capos so much, uh, that becomes uh, a problem because it's really hard when you spend hours learning a solo and then find out that actually you're just going to need to improvise because uh, it's in a different key. And last year I had learned the solo for two more bottles of wine and found out the morning of that the key had been changed on me. And I was very upset. I spent a lot of time learning that solo and I'm not mad that I learned the solo. I'm, uh, I was disappointed that I, you know, could have learned it in the correct key instead. <laughs> so, um, it didn't, it, it went about as well as you, you would think. Like I actually did a really good job in rehearsals and then the, the show hit and, um, it, it didn't go so great. I was, I was pretty mad with myself, but everybody, you know, was really nice. And, uh, I did a much better job on some other solos that I had, but I'm, I'm optimistic that we're not going to have any snafus this year because Kristen Chambers is the one uh, running the show. She's a band leader. She is very, she's done a few of these. So she's very conscious that people do tend to change the keys last minute or send the wrong key. So she's, doing a good job, it seems like, really tracking these singers down, uh, asking them to send like a version of themselves singing the song so we can be like, okay, you said G, you mean A. And as long as I have that, I'm going to be really happy. So if you're in Seattle, those are three gigs. And then the fourth one is also in the Royal Room. And it's two days later. It is the Saturday, uh, August 5th. And it is like the ladies of disco night. So I haven't played a lot of disco. Like I've, the closest I've come is like learning some, some print songs and that's funk, not disco, but you know, tangentially related, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm really excited. Um, I, I already know a few effects that I'm going to bring. I'm going to bring the Keeley uh, Moon Fuzz. That was a collaboration they did up with the guitar store in Port Townsend and uh, you can get some really sick Isley Brother tones from that. And as I was listening to the playlist of the songs, uh, I think that's going to be appropriate. I'm also going to need to get my wah pedal back from Jeff from Jerf. So those are a couple things I, I'm thinking about. Um, we've got some, we've got Chic on there. We have ABBA on there. Um, and I, I think it's, not going to be too tough. There are some some solos and stuff I'm I'm excited about. So it's you know disco and funk are both very riffy. Uh, I think we're playing Sheik's Le Freak, and I'm pretty sure that's the same riff pretty much through the whole song. 
And I'm going to be playing my Her Signature Strat. So I'm, you know, always love an opportunity to to play that. <laughs> so my, my brain is going to be confused. My fingers are going to be confused. But uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, really testing myself in this. Because uh, that's what these things are. They're challenges. And you got to keep keep growing because if you're not getting better, you're probably getting worse. The last thing I want to talk about is um, burnout. I'm sure you've noticed the last few episodes of the podcast are completely different. I'd been doing the podcast the same way for nearly five years, almost every single week. I think I maybe missed five episodes. I was burnt to a crisp. For this podcast to work for me, this, this is what I need to do right now. It needs to be more laid back for me. It needs to be something I can do when I have the time. Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine about burnout and how I wanted to keep the podcast going as it was because I feel like it's great for the community. It's not great for your community if he burnt out. If you're burnt out, he replied. And uh, he was right. Uh, I'm sure some of you are disappointed. I'm I'm sorry. I don't see it going back to the old format. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with Andrew or Joan. This is simply a me decision. I have, for better or worse, been the anchor of the podcast for a long time. This uh, started as, you know, Andrew and another friend and I having a podcast and that was it. And then I decided I wanted to do more. I wanted to do, to do de these demos and uh, it's really hard to do all of those things and be the one um, driving it forward. Like you can't ask as much from other people when it has really become your thing. So I'm taking that back. I, I feel very good about this decision. And I'm very sorry if this is not uh, what you've come to love. Um, I still think it's important to have a podcast. I still want to have a voice. But <laughs> every Saturday or Sunday for five years, I woke up early to record a podcast the past three years with video. I had to then edit it in a really short turnaround time. I had to prepare for it the week ahead. Uh, usually it was me coming up with topics, uh, which is, is again, fine. It's my podcast. I should be the one driving what I want it to be about. Um, it, I, with this format, I don't have to look good for the camera. I don't have to make sure the cameras are fucking working. I don't have to deal with internet issues on two or more sides, edit and schedule around three, two to three other people. Kudos to people who can do that without issue, who, you know, have a full-time job and do a, a lot of freelance work. I'm just not one of them. I really do hope that you stick with me as I find new footing for whatever it is this podcast is going to become. I still think it's important and I still believe it can be something cool. Well, that's this week's episode. 
short and sweet. Um, not even 2,000 words on paper, I don't think. Um, but <laughs> hope you like that part too. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Until next time, my name is Emily. One, two, Goodbye. Three.